Well, good morning. I'd like to introduce to you Alex and Hannah Absalom. They are ministry partners, uh, most recently in Ohio, and they're here with us for the weekend, a very special weekend for us. And their family is right up there. Tell us about your family, all right? Introduce us. Okay, I'm going to do that. So, uh, so my wonderful husband, Alex, is uh, in the middle there next to me, and um, we've been married almost 21 years. And then we have Joel on the left with the red hair, and uh, he is 18. He's going to graduate next week or something like that, which is a bit scary. And then we have Samuel, who is 15, um, and Isaac, who is 13. So three teenage boys, which is very scary. And I must not forget Molly the dog, who is very special, particularly to the boys. So uh, lots of energy in our household. Excellent. Well, welcome. We're glad Thank to have you. you guys here at Grace. Yes. Alex has been uh, coaching our staff since the first of the year and some other people here at Grace about stepping into that next chapter that we've been talking about uh, that we've described as Jesus Weird. That was Alex's term. So uh, he gets credit for the Jesus Weird component of that. And we're, we've, been, um, we've been trying to press into that. And what's been so exciting is how he has um, been really speaking into our lives as a... As a um, as a staff and as a church. And so what I want to do just in this brief time we have with them this morning before he speaks is to kind of answer the question, so why are they here? And I've done a couple of city posts explaining that, but just a little bit of background. Um, as we began to develop a friendship, as Alex would come to Long Beach, he would stay in our home, and we did a lot of walking and talking together. And it became apparent to me that um, his next chapter, his most recent chapter was ending, and God had another chapter for the two of them as people would come to the States as missionaries. And so right before Easter, um, I had just been praying and listening to, to, to Alex as well, and I thought, you know what? What if he thought about helping us further because he was coaching us and we still didn't know what we were doing, and we probably wouldn't even after he finished. And so I thought, well, what better if he's got another chapter to possibly ask him about being here in Long Beach and and also he has a larger vision for uh, coaching the larger church into stepping into the, being on mission, the church that would be here in this area and even nationally because he's already doing that. So I sent him an email right before Easter and just kind of went for it and, uh, and just didn't know what might happen from that. But uh, he then responded and uh, that's why they're here today. But I want them to tell their side because there's another side of the story. So... You yeah. guys have a part of the story to tell too. Yes, so um, we feel, as we mentioned, part of our call is uh, we've been called to the States as missionaries. I'm going to talk a bit about that in this sermon. Um, and just helping churches develop this kind of more intentional disciple-making culture. How do we go and make disciples where the Lord has placed us? Um, and so, like Lewis was saying, we were feeling there was a fresh season coming. The Lord had spoken about that, and we were wondering what that was going to look like. And so when you wrote... I was really surprised. It hadn't been on my radar at all. But, and so we decided, we'd, you know, we prayed about it, took a few days and prayed and sought the Lord and fasted and stuff. Um, and, um, I, and I remember getting to you saying, I think there's something in this. And then you said to me. <laughs> so we had been praying for ages about, you know, what our next thing was going to be. And we thought it was probably going to be um, to take over... Uh, 
take over. Let's become senior pastors in a church somewhere again. And um, and I had this picture. We were just praying, and I, this doesn't happen a lot. Um, but we, as we were praying, um, I had this picture of these like two overlapping circles, like Venn diagrams. And one was like the local church, and the other one was like this resource center. And it was as though God was saying, okay, how about you lay down this whole thing of um, being senior pastors, and how about you do this? You are involved in local church. Somebody else leads that, but you're already involved, and you lead this resource center. And, um, and that can really impact the wider community. But the two together are operating together, accountable. Um, but yes, it's the twofold thing coming together. So I was very excited when Alex said, oh, Lou's written this e- email saying if you want to come and, um, and be part of the, the staff here. And um, yeah, it just seemed to be confirmation. But back in January, when the Lord spoke to you about non oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the main thing of all that is I'm not even concentrating what I'm saying is that when, when that was happening, I had this, this thing of I think it's Long Beach. And I thought, well, that's random because Alex had only been twice. We did, I didn't know these guys at all. And I just had this deep thing that it was Long Beach that was the place we were supposed to be. So, yeah, when Alex said that, I thought, wow, this is it. And that was back in, um, back in January when you felt that. And so Lou didn't write till Easter. So Hannah had very wisely kept quiet and not said anything to me all through that time and so when you wrote and then I felt we were praying and I she waited for me to say I think this could be Jesus and she said well I I think it is Jesus and here's why (laughs) so it took me three months to catch up with my wife (laughs) which is quite good for me actually (laughs) I had not heard that story till the other night when we had a group over at our house and, and Hannah told that story it was just it was very moving to me to realize that that you know that this was clearly evident that God was in this. And this is one of the things that I, Alex and I were talking about, that, um, that in seeing how God was working behind the scenes for this, that it was clearly something he was doing. It wasn't the typical thing that I've done in the past where, you know, you have a staff member leave and they, you know, well, the college ministry is open, so we go find a college pastor. But this is something that really was more of orchestration of, of God just wanting to do something fresh. Mm-hmm. So as we look ahead... Um, one of the things I've asked Alex to do is to, to join our staff as a, as a pastor, but then there's also a, a larger vision that he brings as well. Why don't you just describe that very briefly, because you're going to talk more about it in the second hour. Yeah, so uh, we feel like the Lord's uh, giving us favor, opportunity, uh, open doorways to help the wider church, so training leaders and churches, and there's some denominations who, who've been talking with us, and networks. So just churches and, and movements and leaders who, who want to say, hey, how can we be better at going and making disciples? How can we transform our neighborhoods and our workplaces and, and the gym and the soccer team? And, and how can we generally go and be good news to the wider community? And, and um, so rather than just relying on this mode of saying, come to us, come to our gathering, come to our church service, we do that stuff, great. But also we're saying, sometimes, let's also go and make disciples. And, and we feel like the Lord's been saying to us for one, and people who we're accountable to have been saying to us, uh, part of our calling is to do that. And, but we want that to be anchored in the local church. That's, for us, that's really important. And so there's a real sense of partnership. And, and I um, have to say this publicly, even though Lou paid me $20 to say this as well, which is <laughs> I, I really uh, value Lou, and I've really enjoyed getting to know him. I think he's a tremendous man of God. And, um, and so I, for us, that kind of connection with uh, Lou as a senior leader and, and Laurie um, has been really important for us. And, and just as an outsider, just looking into your community at this moment, I would say you've got a tremendous staff team, 
I'm like really good kind of, I see a lot of churches and some of them you go, oh, bless them, how on earth do they keep this ship afloat? Um, but but it's, it's not like that at all here. It's the complete opposite. And, and then we've got to know, getting to know, you know, a wider pool of people. And it's just like, we keep meeting folks in this church and going, wow, these are really good caliber people. So uh, we feel so excited and honored and privileged that we get to come and join you and and hopefully be assimilated into your family. Thanks, Dad. And, um, uh, and you know, just, just belong here, and, and, and I'm sure you're going to welcome our boys and Molly, the dog, and, um, and we're so excited about that and as a base of, of ministering and together going out and shaping the wider church as well as shaping Long Beach. So it, um, the thing I forgot to say was that they, even though they're most recently in Ohio, their accent is not Ohio. No. Um, they were. <laughs> well done. It is. So before Ohio, we were in Oklahoma. So. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all. That's where you get there it. There we go. <laughs> yes. So, so London and Sheffield. London, Sheffield. And I think one of the interesting... And Oklahoma. We, that's where we went originally. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> land of tornadoes. One of the things I think that is, again, was so attractive to me was that when you look at what is going on over in England and what, they, what they've seen God do while they were over in England, essentially that's the future of where a lot of the America, America is going, especially on the two coasts. So to be really doing, bringing Jesus to people in a very post-Christian culture, which you both have done, and then to bring that over here, in a sense, to come from our future and to say, here's what we need to do to get ready for the future that will inevitably be here, is very exciting to me, so I'm excited. He'll be, they'll be together in the chapel at 11.10, so we want to invite you to, uh, to join us in the chapel. He'll be talking more in detail and also uh, fielding some Q&A that you guys might have, too, so thanks Thank so you. much. All right. Today's readings are Genesis 12, 1 through 8, and Hebrews 11, 8 through 16. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your family's friends, or your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed, as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. And he headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, 
And he even and even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had not longed for the country they came from, or if they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, um, I don't know how you got here this morning. Uh, probably some of you walked or rode a bike. Many of you would have driven. Uh, Hannah and I drove in our personal family vehicle. I thought I'd just show you a picture of it now. Uh, and uh, the reason that's our family vehicle is because, uh, as Lou indicated, uh, it's like we come from your future. We come from your future. We come from uh, England, from Europe, uh, the city we last lived in before... Uh, we came to the States eight years ago, a city called Sheffield, which is a large post-industrial city in the north of England. Uh, on a typical Sunday, there is under 3% of the population in church. So it's a completely post-Christian culture. So our friends who we got to know, so the families at the schools, the, the, the lads I played soccer with, the, the, the neighbors, just the people we got to know around the town, um, for most of them, church is nowhere on their radar. Jesus is, is just, you know, at best, maybe a swear word. So, we, so our friends, uh, the way they were going to be impacted by the gospel, the way they were going to be impacted by Jesus, was not by us just doing church as, as we've always done it. Uh, it didn't matter how cool, how awesome our services were on a Sunday. For most of them, they just were not interested. It wasn't, didn't even cross their mind. And so what we had to learn how to do was uh, how do we actually go to where our friends are? How do we go and make disciples of Jesus in that context? What does church need to look like to, to reach our friends and, and the guys I'm playing soccer with and, and so on? How, how does, um, what is good news to them? What does the kingdom come look like for them in their context? And these were the questions which we were having to wrestle with in that uh, completely post-Christian culture. Uh, and... Uh, part of it begins, of course, with where we talk about being a high-connection people. So uh, we wanted to connect with our friends. The beer and brownies quadrant, you might have talked about that a bit. Of course, in England, it's not so much beer and brownies as warm beer and cucumber sandwiches. And, you know, that's how you connect with people that way. Um, but So we want to be very connected and relational with our friends. But also, we want to be 
people who have a high distinctiveness about us. In other words, we carry the, the aroma of Jesus. We, um, we have the flavor of Jesus and who we are. There's something about us which doesn't mean we just compromise and water down everything just to acquiesce to the lowest common denominator, but we still carry um, the, the, the challenge as well as the hope and the life of Jesus where we go. So it's this high connection, high distinction environment that we're, that we're seeking to build. And, um, and for, to live like that is really what it means to live like a missionary. And I believe that all of us are called to be missionaries, if that's what a missionary is. And so this morning, um, I wanted to share with you the, the scriptures which Nada read are, uh, particularly the Genesis one, have been really foundational for Hannah and myself in how we understand uh, following Jesus and how we understand uh, uh, being, um, being missionaries. And as I look at those... Uh, I wanted to share with you this morning three principles, three areas where God's worked in our lives uh, as, we, as we seek to go out. And, and I give these to you because I hope that those of you hear me share over the next few minutes, Lucy said I've got like 90 minutes, is that how long, something like that. Um, and uh, it'll only feel like two hours, so don't worry about it. And, so, but three areas, and I think they are identity, purpose, and destiny. Identity, purpose, and destiny. So if you're writing notes, those will be the big three words that I'm going to use. Um, so let's think about identity. And really, as I think about that, for me, it all begins with a go. It begins with a go. Uh, if you look back at Genesis 12, the call of Abraham, he becomes Abraham, as you know, uh, just these first words from God to him. God says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He says, go. You see, it starts with a go. But what's interesting about the go that God gives us is there's very little detail. There's almost a complete absence of detail. Can you imagine uh, Abraham and Sarah's pillow talk that night? He comes back to Sarah and they're, lying, you know, they're, they're in bed that night. And uh, he says, well, God's told us to go. She says, where are we going? He says, I don't know. She says, how will we get there? I don't know. How, what will it be like when we get there? I don't know. I haven't got a clue. Often God gives us this challenge, and we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the details. Uh, it's like when Jesus calls the early disciples. I've got the scripture here on the screen for you in um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he calls the first disciples and says, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Do you notice there's no detail in that at all? And God gives that same call to you and me. He says, Go. Go. I'm going to be with you, but you're going to go. And you say, well, what about this bit of detail? How will I get there? What will it look like? What will the place be? How long will it take? He says, just go. Trust me. And let's go together. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, back in spring 2007, uh, Hannah and I were sensing the Lord was calling us uh, to America. And in particular, uh, it really was just, we were, the first place we came to was Oklahoma City. That's where uh, the, God called us to, and, and there was an invitation there to a church. And so we were trying to explain it to our boys, who were very young at that stage. And they were going, and so I, my, my attempt to this was, they'd say, Daddy, what's, what's Oklahoma, was one of the questions. And I'd say, you know, it's like tornadoes and cowboys and musicals and all this sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> the wind comes rolling down the plain, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, which, by the way, is the state song. It's amazing. It's the state song. So, um, uh, and they looked bemused. They didn't understand. So fortunately, Hannah stepped in, again, the godly woman, and she had far more wisdom. So she turned to the Bible, and she got this kid's, we've got a picture of it here, this kid's uh, little Bible book, the Little Fish book about Abraham. 
And she started reading it to the boys. But every time it said the words Abraham and Sarah, she inserted our names. So she said, God said to Mummy and Daddy and Joel and Samuel and Isaac, leave your land, leave your family, and go to the place where I'm sending you. And God said to Mummy and Daddy and Joel and Samuel and Isaac, I'll be with you and I will lead you to this strange people of a foreign language whom you don't understand. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I will be with you and I will use you to be a blessing to these people. And that's a, that's a great illustration of what God says to each one of us, how he calls and shapes our lives. He calls us to go and to trust him as we do that. We don't have all the answers, but what we have to do is to respond to as much as we do know, to respond to as much as God has revealed to us. And you see, this is how this fits in with identity. There's um, a great Bible verse in John 15, and this is where Jesus is speaking to his disciples ahead of his crucifixion. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. By the way, Jesus invented emoticons as well. Uh, he says, you are my disciples if you do what I command. And if you look at that verse, have notice it kind of comes in two halves. So the second half, it says, if you do what I command. And really, that's what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who's a learner from Jesus, someone who hears what Jesus is saying and obeys him even when you don't understand or even when it doesn't make sense to you. That's what it means. It's easy to obey when it makes sense and it sounds really cool and exciting. But the challenge is to obey when it's hard or when you don't understand or when it feels very challenging to us. And, but the first half is this. He says, if you do what I obey, you will be my friends. Interestingly, he doesn't say you will be my servants. If you think about it, a servant is someone who just does what they're told to do. They do what the master says. But a friend is someone who, who, who joins in and does the tasks with you, but they're given a, a deeper understanding as to what this is about and why we're on this journey. And they get to contribute and participate together. It's, we see that in the life of Abraham in chapter 18, where we have this amazing insight into God having this conversation with, him, with himself and then with Abraham about the future of Sodom. And it was it's a conversation between friends. Abraham was a friend of God. Uh, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Here's the principle. The principle is this. Jesus gives revelation to those who practice obedience. If you want to hear more from God, what you have to start doing is to obey what he's already told you to do, even if it's just that much. You see, it's this walk of faith. That's why Abraham is known as the father of faith, because he trusted God, he obeyed him with as much as he knew, even when it was just little smidgens at first. But more revelation came on that. And this is why it's about identity, you see, because all mission comes from revelation. If you want to be effective in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in the gym, wherever you go, if you want to represent Jesus well, if you long to make disciples in that environment, you have to build it out of the revelation that Jesus gives you. And that revelation only comes, you see, all, all, all missionaries have to be rooted in a secure identity in Jesus. If you want to be effective in going and changing Long Beach or wherever the Lord's placed you, your identity as, as a friend of God, as a friend of Jesus, and don't forget, we don't get to make God our friend, but he gets to make us his friends. That's how it works, because he's God. Um, but your identity, your effectiveness has to be rooted in the fact that you're a friend of God. And a friend of God is someone who hears and obeys. And then revelation comes and you walk out further hearing and obedience out of that. And you know, I believe you can do this. 
I believe all of us can do this. You see, whether you're a student at the local high school or at one of the colleges or a middle school, maybe you're someone who's a leader in the field of education, maybe you're someone and you're involved, perhaps you run a small business, or maybe you're part of a, a multinational and you're involved in shipping in cars through Long Beach Port, or maybe you're involved in the fire service. Maybe you're an empty nester and you're a retiree thinking, how do I go from success to significance? Maybe you're someone who's in the medical field. Maybe uh, you're, you're, a, you're a nurse. I don't know. Whatever your wor- world is at the moment, maybe you're a mum and you're focusing the majority of your energies on investing into your young children. Wherever you are in life at the moment, Jesus can use you. He wants to use you. But your identity as a friend of God has to be foundational to what's going to go on. That's the first thing, identity. But then that leads us into purpose. We see this um, uh, as we go back into the passage in Genesis 12, but really what purpose is about is what are you aiming at? What are you aiming at? Here's an image to go with that. What's your focus? What are you aiming at? And in Genesis 12, if we go on, verses 2 and 3, which are very famous, God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So we have this great theme of blessing that goes on there. So first of all, God says, Abraham, you're going to be blessed. Who does raise a hand? Do you like to be blessed? Okay, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Amen. We love a good bit of blessing. Secondly, he says, I'm going to bless your family. Who's voting for that? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And then he says, thirdly, through you, I'm going to let you be a blessing to the wider world. Who's for that? Yeah, good, isn't it? I mean, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, and the thing I've noticed about this blessing thing is it's so much fun to get to be involved in this. The the idea of blessed is interesting. Here's the thing you might not have known. In in the book of Genesis, the word bless or blessing in its root form, uh, it occurs 88 times. In the whole of the Old Testament, it's only about 350 times. And so what some theologians will tell us is that blessing is the unifying theme of the book of Genesis. And that's very interesting, because think about it. Genesis is the book of origins. It's the book of beginnings. It's the book about creation. And so what we learn is that God is a blessing God. It's at the heart of his creation. Makes Make it personal. That means that God made you because he wants to bless you. That's pretty good. He's a good God. He made you because he loves you. He wants to bless you. Now, some of us find it hard to receive that blessing. We think, oh, I've got to earn it, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not nice enough, or whatever. But that's not how blessing works. Blessing is something that God gives to us because he's a good God. It's interesting, if you go to the Hebrew, which is what Genesis is written in, uh, the word for bless, which is... Um, uh, um, which is a very particular word, uh, barak, and uh, it's almost the same as the word for create, which is bara. And so what it's telling us is that God creates in order to bless. Think about this. Adam and Eve, what's the first thing they hear after they're created? It's a blessing. I mean, how cool is that? See, see God makes us in order to be blessed. But then he does something else beyond that. He takes it a step further. Because then God moves us into our purpose. Because he blesses us and then says, go and bless others. And here's the secret about blessing. The secret of blessing is, 
it, God blesses you, but the way you really get blessed, the way you mind the riches of that blessing, is to then take that blessing and to share it generously with others. And they get blessed, and interestingly enough, you get greater blessing as well. It's funny how that works. It's a kind of upside-down, topsy-turvy kingdom thing. The more you give away, the more you are blessed. And so God calls us to be a people who um, receive his blessing, and he blesses our households and our families, but he wants us to go and to bless others, to share this blessing that he's put into us. And, and that's going to come in a variety of ways. So it's going to be material and financial, obviously, and, and we should live like that. We should be a generous people. But I think it's more than that. I think the, the greatest blessing God gives us is a spiritual blessing. And here's how this relates to, to going. I, I think that as we, as we go out into our communities, as we go to the places where God takes us, the real thing that people are hungering for is this, they, they, and they wouldn't put, use this language, but I think people are hungering for a spiritual blessing. They're hungering for spiritual reality. They're hungering for something that's greater, that has a greater resonance and, and depth and truth than just the stuff that's around us. They want something more. You know, the Bible tells us God's hardwired eternity into our hearts, and, and people are longing for that. Even if they use other language and, and they, they say dumb stuff along the way, that's what's actually going on. You know, think about your next-door neighbor who you really get on with, or that girl at the gym who you, who you love to have conversations with, or, or the barista at your favorite coffee shop who you always disconnect with, or, or, or that family member you've got a real heart for, or maybe your friend who right now is down at the, the gay pride parade down in the center of Long Beach, or, or, or that colleague at work who just, you know, there's a real connection between you. These friends who, who at the moment are not yet active disciples of Jesus in a real intentional way, but, but God's put you, they You've got a connection with them, and he's, he's put them on your heart, and you'd love to see them come to know Jesus. You'd love to see them walk as disciples of Jesus. I think they are hungering for this spiritual reality, this spiritual blessing, that you would be, Lou mentioned, you would be Jesus weird in their lives. You would be an authentic man or woman, boy or girl, who has this spiritual resonance and depth within you. And you see, uh, well, let, let me give you a story of that, just to illustrate um, when we lived in England, there was a local elementary school, and it was actually just the first uh, K through second grade. And when Joel, our eldest, was about to start school, uh, we asked around, where's a good school? You could pick which elementary school. And uh, all the Christians uh, we knew at the church said, don't go to this school. It's called Clifford School. Don't go to Clifford because there's no other Christians there. And um, there's something in us that kind of rebelled against that. And uh, we felt the Lord say, no, I want you to go there. And so, you know, we did the tour around, and it was delightfully eccentric, which being English is a high value. So um, we thought that was a good place to go. And, but we, we, we just started to connect with the families and connect with the school and get to know the staff. And um, I ended up on the school governing board and ended up actually chairing that, that, that governing board. And Hannah and I would be in the school playground because it was a community school, so most families walked. And you got to know people and you start to build relationships. And we just got to encourage and love and serve people. And we saw over the next few years all these households start to come to faith in Jesus. And it was extraordinary what went on. We ended up having to employ a part-time children's worker at church just to deal with all the kids 
and, and the families who were wanting to discover more about Jesus. The school would let us set up sign-up tables outside the school, in the school grounds, outside the school where parents came, for our holiday clubs and for our weekly things that were going on. And, and, but, but really what was happening was um, there was this spiritual blessing that we got to bring to that community simply by us turning up and just being, being Jesus followers, not in a weird, creepy way, but just naturally just living out what it means to follow Jesus. And, and I promise you there is nothing special about, about Hannah and me. We're regular folks, but we're just trying to follow Jesus and live that stuff out. And you can do the same thing. In fact, I, I know that if we went around this room, probably most of you could tell stories of how God's used you at certain points throughout your history. But we can do that again. We can do that to a greater level. We can do it in a concerted way as a whole community and, and encourage and help each other and strengthen one another and resource one another to go and do that, to live with the real sense of purpose that we're a people who are richly blessed and we get to go and bless the wider world. Right now, um, uh, we uh, have a, a real place of community in our neighbourhood uh, where we live in Ohio. And that's been where about last, late last summer we started a new um, missional gathering, missional community there, uh, with a bunch of our neighbours. And so we get together uh, informally all the time, but regularly, every, at least every two weeks, and there's 35, 40-plus people there, 45 people. And it's basically built around families who've got teenagers or teenagers. That's the stage of life we're at. And on all these houses, we gather together, and, and um, you know, we're, we're, these families are getting discipled and encountering Jesus and... Uh, it's just been tremendous. But the thing I wanted to, the story I wanted to tell you was of the couple who were our original um, gatekeepers, people of peace, into that neighborhood when we moved in there. And um, quite a long way from Jesus at that time. But the lady was just recently sitting with Hannah, and they were having a, a cup of tea together or whatever and, and chatting. And because tea was present, Jesus was present. It says that in the Bible very clearly. <laughs> where two of you are gathered together with a cup of tea, I will be present. And... Um, and, uh, but they were sitting talking, and they're talking, and, and it kind of suddenly kicked up a gear into this kind of more profound conversation. And this lady looks at her, and she goes, I want what you've got. And she didn't mean like our stuff, or our car, or our house. She meant spiritual blessing. And I guarantee, I, I'm confident saying this, I guarantee there are people in your life who at the moment are far from Jesus, but they want what you've got. Absolutely promise you. Surefire. And so what we do is we start to think a little more intentionally about how we get to share that, how we get to reveal that in a way that's going to be high connection and high distinction with our friends. And that leads us to this third element. So we've talked about identity. We've talked about destiny, sorry, purpose, where we get to share God's blessing. Um, but then it leads to destiny. Here's a picture for you gazing into our future. It's this future orientation that we need to have. I believe this is hardwired longing within us where we, we hunger for something that's out there, that's beyond. Uh, it, it's this sense of eternity that, that God's put within us. There's a godly impatience for the things of God, for the things of the kingdom, for, for that reality to come about. I don't mean impatience in kind of the my often expressions of impatience, like with cars on the interstate, you know, the, the traffic jam. I don't mean that, but I mean a good impatience. There is a good impatience that we're meant to have, which is we're impatient to see more of Jesus break into the, our lives and the lives around us. We're impatient to see his kingdom come. We're impatient 
because we want to see uh, God transform our neighbours to bring social justice. We want to see the end of sickness. You know, I, 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 we had a friend recently die of cancer, and I, I hate cancer. I want to see everyone we pray for healed from cancer. I want to be in part of a church that lives like that. I want to be part of a church and a community where, where, where social justice is, overturned, is overcome. I want to be part of a community where we're seeing the presence of Jesus and the provision of Jesus and the hope and the life and the forgiveness of Jesus breaking out all over the place, changing lives. That's, and, and if you have any of those sort of hungerings as well, which I suspect you do, that's a good thing. We should be impatient for that. We should be frustrated when we don't see those things come about. Jesus has made us to be like that. But that means we have to press into that with a little more intentionality. Hebrews 11, which uh, we heard read as well, has some interesting scriptures on this. Uh, Some of the language there, it talked about Abraham and Sarah being like strangers in a foreign country. It talks about them being people who lived in tents. There's a transitionary nature to what's going on. They had this future hope, but it hadn't yet come to all its fullness in their lives. If you remember in, in the Genesis 12 passage, uh, God gives them a promise. He says, uh, to your offspring, verse 7, I will give this land. He says to them, to your offspring, I'll give this land. Think of it like this. If God said to you, I've got this enormous gift I'm going to give to your children... How long would you wait for it to come? Okay, maybe, maybe a couple of months, perhaps. Six months. Let's really push the boat out. I'm going to be super holy. I'll wait a couple of years, Jesus. Guess how long Abraham had to wait for that promise to come about? 400 years. It's a long-term promise, isn't it? That's a lot of patience. You see, that's why we're told uh, in Hebrews, it says... Verse, um, I think it's Hebrews 11, verse 14. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Uh, As we try to be people who are high connection and high distinction, there's this longing for eternity and these greater realities, which is going to be within us. And I think that's incredibly attractive to our friends around us. They expect us to live like that with this future orientation, not just of heaven when we die, but actually what we want to do is we want to bring eternity into the present day. We say, Lord, we long for your kingdom to come and may help us to be people who, who drag that into the present day today. That we see the presence of God come around us and amongst us and into your workplace and into your neighborhood and into the communities where you are. That we would see uninhibited blessing fall upon those who touch our lives, who we get to impact. Wouldn't that be awesome? That if people leave being with you, or they just walk past your table in a restaurant, blessing of Jesus falls upon them. Wouldn't that be awesome to watch? That'd be so much fun, wouldn't it? And we would get to be part of that. We'd get to join with that. And yet we recognize that the kingdom of God is not fully present now. It's not fully inaugurated, the theologians say. There's this dynamic tension between the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We we long for these things, but they don't fully come. And the question is, how do we hold those two things in creative tension together? While we we hold on to the hope while we live in the reality. We, We long to see every sickness healed, because sickness is never from Jesus. There's no sickness in heaven. And yet we also, we pray for our friends, but not all, the, all of them get healed. So how do we hold that intention? 
And I think what we have to do is learn from Abraham. This is the last thing I wanted to point out this morning. What we see with Abraham in Genesis 12 is this. He keeps on worshipping. He's a worshipping follower of God. Uh, You see, what he does is, uh, again and again, the way he does it is he builds altars. Uh, These markers, these places of ongoing worship, ongoing focus, ongoing reminder that he is a missionary into that place, into that context. They're memorials to key moments in his life which keep him anchored. And he he builds them because he knows, I'm going to build this thing. Significant God encounter, I'm going to build this physical memorial, and then I'll come back to that place to encourage myself, to stir faith again, to keep persevering in the not yet of the kingdom. Uh, We can do that in our own lives. Uh, in lots of ways. One, one thing which Hannah and I uh, have done with our boys is when they get to start high school, um, uh, we um, do a, like a, a calling into manhood ceremony. So here's a photo of it. It took place last week with our middle son, Samuel. And so what I, we did was Samuel and I sat down, wrote a list of uh, seven or eight men um, who have really been influential for him in his life. And so we got them together and we had a great, you know, barbecue, eat out, real laugh together. But um, one of them had a boat, so we went out onto the boat onto, onto a lake. And what I asked each of the guys to do, I said, I want, I'm going to give you a topic, and we talked about, thought about what would be areas that would speak to Samuel and his personality and his character and his calling. And I said, he's, you know, he's coming into manhood. How do we help set him up? And they each had areas, you know, how, um, you know, to, how to handle money and how to be a great friend and uh, how to handle women. Answer, you can't. And uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. All right, just calm down. Sorry. Um, uh, different areas. But with, through that prism of, Samuel, you're going to be a missionary for Jesus. You are a missionary already. How, how do you live better? And um, they had three to five minutes, and then I asked each of them to give him something. But it wasn't meant to be something that cost money. It was something that was going to be representative. You know, it could be a, a stone from the top of a mountain where someone once climbed and this was meaningful for them, or something that sat on their desk for 10 years, or, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, and then we prayed for him. And there's a photo of me praying for him uh, on the boat and praying blessing. And the reason we, we're doing that for, hit, for, for the boys is um, it becomes a memorial, it becomes a marker for them of a time where they could go back to perhaps later in their teens or as young adults where they're feeling a bit discouraged and you know it's hard to follow Jesus and hopefully maybe they'll see that thing that stone that's sat on their desk now they go oh yeah but I am called and Jesus is for me and he is with me and that's 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 a fit example of doing physical things but for all of us for all of us if you want to be effective as a missionary if you want to be effective in shaping your neighborhood and your friendships and, and your extended family and, and, and your place of work, wherever it is you, you are called to particularly be as a missionary, you must be a worshiper of Jesus. You must be a worshiper. We can't do it, it just under our own steam, our, under our own cleverness. You know, one of the things that I noticed about um, this community and listening to the staff team and, and people I've got to know is there's a lot of really able, capable people in this room. You know, I bet if we went around and, and kind of went through everyone's story and resume, we'd be like, wow, there's so much potential, so much amazing stuff in this room. But the danger of that, the flip side, is we can rely a bit too much upon our own cleverness and giftedness and resources. And actually, we have to first of all start from that place of humility, saying, God, unless you come, we can't do anything. So we need to be a worshipping people. We need to recognize that... Um, 
that without uh, that mission without worship is self-defeating. In the same way that worship without mission is self-indulgent. But mission without worship is self-defeating. Because ultimately you're trying to create worshippers of Jesus. That's, that's why we live like that. And so I want to encourage you um, that in all you do, that you, you seek to be men and women, boys and girls, who, who are prayerful, who are full of thanksgiving. Praise naturally comes to your lips. You're, you're quick to confess your sins. You, you live with a godly humility. You, you're finding creative, interesting ways to worship Jesus, to depend upon him. And I believe as we live like that, God will supercharge the fuel. And it almost then becomes the kicker back into the identity thing, because that gets built up as well in that dependency. So um, identity, it always starts with a go. And as we go, as we obey the little that God shares with us, he brings greater revelation. You're a friend of God. Purpose, God's blessed you, and he's going to keep on blessing you. But that blessing actually gets multiplied and magnified as you realize that blessing is there to be a blessing to others. You're blessed to be blessed, to be a blessing. And then that leads into destiny. And that God has given you his future orientation. We, we call the future into the present today. We become people who, who, who help to reveal the kingdom wherever we go. And the way we live with the attention that's in there, the now, the not yet of that, is that we are worshippers, we're prayer warriors. We're totally dependent upon Jesus. And we keep looking to him. So what I'd love to do now, just as we uh, transition, is I'd like to pray for you and pray for this church. So would, would that be okay if I just prayed the Lord's blessing on you? As I prayed, I felt like the Lord say that's what he wants to happen. So um, let's just take a moment to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Uh, just before I pray over you, I feel that the Lord's just said to me, um, I think he wants to show some of you a fresh picture of how he sees this church, how he sees Grace Church. So Lord, I pray that you would come and reveal that to, to us now in the quiet of our own hearts, just how you see this church. Please speak to us in a way that we can understand with a picture or a sense or a word. Scripture. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us about these things. We thank you that you speak to us individually, but also you speak to us as a, as a community, as your body your church. Thank you that we don't do this solo, we do it in community with others. Father God, I thank you for this tremendous church. I thank you that this is a great church. We thank you for all the people here. We thank you for the, for the history of this place, the, the many times when people have sacrificed and given and served and planted and, and looked beyond. Lord, we thank you that we get to stand on their shoulders and to go further. We thank you, Lord, for every family, every household, every individual that makes up at Grace Church. Lord, thank you for this awesome place. Thank you that your presence is so evidently here. 
And Father God, uh, we thank you that you have called us to be people who are blessed to be a blessing. Lord, thank you that you've planted Grace Church here in Long Beach, that we can be a blessing to this whole community. Lord, we ask that you would supercharge that in our own hearts, that we would have a a new season. There would be a a springtime growth and vibrancy and new life in us personally, in our households, and in us as a church, Lord, within our groups here, within this church family, that we would be able to go and and, uh, just see incredible breakthrough and opportunity and favor in bringing your blessing, in seeing your kingdom come in just extraordinary ways. Lord, I pray that you would stir up faith in our hearts for this. We thank you that faith is a gift. And so we ask, Lord, that you would send your spirit and give fresh gifts of faith to us now. That we'll be able to trust you, whatever our stage of life, whatever our history, from the youngest to the oldest in this room, Lord. Wherever we are on our spiritual journey, whether we've been walking with Jesus with boldness for decades, or whether we're just like, I'm just checking out this Jesus person. Wherever we are in that process, on that uh, spectrum, Lord, I pray for each of us that we'll be able to take that next step towards you, to your disciples. Whatever the revelation is that you've given to us, that we would be obedient. Lord, if there's things that we've not obeyed, where we've even been disobedient or we've ignored you, please forgive us and help us to pick those things up now and to be obedient to that revelation. And we trust that you will supply all our needs and you will direct us and lead us and you're going to bring greater revelation as we obey you. Lord, send us out into the harvest field afresh. And I pray that we'd return with songs of joy, with amazing stories of what you're doing amongst us. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to keep growing your church and growing, extending your kingdom to your great glory and renown. Bless this church, we pray, Jesus. Bless this church, and through this church, bless this community, this wider context where we are. In your mighty name. Amen.